Hey there, we're those sci-fi guys. This is that those sci-fi guys show. Just two working dudes, way different jobs, different lives, but a whole lot of love for the science fiction and the fun that comes with. We're your hosts. I'm PSMK coming to you from the darkness and insalinity of the darkness of winter where I just hope and pray for the spring that will eventually sprung. Wow, that was terrible. <laughs> it was you should have me. just stuck with I'm coming to you from the darkness of my soul. That would have been good. Have you have, have I held up a mirror? Yeah. <laughs> well, and I'm DT Cavman, and I'd like to welcome you guys back to part two of our sci-fi captains uh, discussion. All right, <laughs> we decided that one part was just not going to cut it because we're yeah. nerdy enough that we have more. And if you remember from the last time, we covered quite a few that weren't from our one of our favorite and most frequent topics of discussion, Star Trek, which, of Correct. course, is centered around the captain of every show. <laughs> whether, whether anybody wants to admit it or not, it sure as hell is. Did we honestly avoid all Star Trek captains? No, we did we, Archer. We did Damn Archer, it, yeah. Archer. Damn it, Archer. Yeah, uh, yes, we did oh. Archer who we kind of had some discussions as to why he was an underrated captain in Star yes. Trek. Yes. We talked about Adama from the reboot Battlestar Galactica. We did. Malcolm Reynolds from Firefly. Mm-hmm. We talked about the, the prototype of the Star Trek captain, Commander John J. Adams of uh, Forbidden, Planet. Forbidden Planet. You mentioned Jellico, who was a Star Trek captain. Jellico. And yep. you mentioned Admiral Winfield. Of, Admiral Winfield. Exo Squad. Yep. A very <laughs> good proud and of that a one. great and underrated uh, 90, late 90s cartoon or animated show. You seemed skeptical when I mentioned it the first time. Who? Exo Squad? Yeah. We were 12. No, I'm talking about the last episode. <laughs> you started with Marsh. That's why I was skeptical. Oh, that's right. You were all mad about me doing that. Well, you obviously missed. I originally it. chose Admiral Winfield. Winfield. Winfield, look it up. Yeah, literally, I'm looking at it right now, right in front of my list here. So, um, all right. Well, before we begin, DT, I just wanted to give you a quick addendum to our previous discussion about how I'm taking uh, McKay Jr. up to the mountains for a sixth grade trip. Yes. Uh, for some reason, the link you sent me for that leatherhead, leatherman, uh, multi-purp- leatherman uh, multi-purpose tool, yes, uh, lit up my phone all day and all night up until this morning. You're welcome. Like, it just it just kept posting a new post from that same post notification from from the messaging app. Um, it it happens, big guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I also want you to know, I double-checked the rules, and no knives are allowed, even including chaperones. Wow. I know. What a bunch of it's, tools. It's California. What are you going to do? Which, this is the least California this, of California, this by This is the tool that you need, not those tools. <laughs> All right. If uh, Are you and your... You guys have gone camping before, right? We go camping every year. Yeah. We go to Yosemite every year for over a week. Get yourself a Leatherman, man. You will not regret it. 
I do. Oh, you know what? My birthday's coming up. That'll be my birthday. Uh, that'll be one of my birthday requests. The wave is a is a really good. That might be the one that uh, I sent you. It's what I carry. It's a good. It's a good multi tool. I pick pocket size multi tool. You can get some smaller ones, or less involved. The this. Now, what I'll say this is this is a very sturdy piece of equipment. The only reason why I'm on my second was because I lost my first. Mm. It didn't break. Lost it. Lost. The, the pouch okay. broke. Well, I was doing some training and it fell out. Huh. But the second one had a much sturdier pouch, too, that comes with it. You can loop it through your belt loop or you can stick the thing in a pocket or whatever. Okay. And if in a pinch you can throw it, if you can hit somebody between the eyes, it'll knock their ass straight out. It's David a, and Goliath style. <laughs> this is a very soft, this is a very well built uh, multi tool. The All Gerber right. is like a step down. I'll say that. Okay. Okay. We were issued you know, the arm, which it's funny. The army issued us Gerbers, and most of us ended up going out and buying our own. <laughs> oh, the Gerber was good. I won't, I won't say it was cheap, but yeah. it's just better in my it's just opinion. that much better and more practical. I got you. Sturdier. This portion of the show is brought to you by Leatherman. <laughs> Note, none of us actually have a contract with Leatherman. And if we need to continue to bleep this out for any sort of reason, I get it. But trust me, man, uh, that is a multifunction <laughs> tool that will be useful on camping trips if you're doing repairs. I bought uh, small ones for like my dad so he could keep it in his car, you know, because they usually come with screwdrivers, little small pliers. Yeah. I think that you might need if there's an emergency on the side of the road. So, well, in New England, yeah, you could be on the road for like, you know, stuck on the road for 12 hours. Oh, yeah, that's just traffic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not talking about winter. <laughs> anyway. All right, so, so shall we begin part two of the greatest uh, sci-fi captains of our perception? All right, so we kind of, uh, we launched with previews of two captains. Uh, John Sheridan from first. Babylon 5 and yep. Christopher Pike from the Star Trek franchise. Mm-hmm. So you said you were going to take Captain Pike and lead off. Pike. Okay, go ahead. So, Pike, um, the second captain of the USS Enterprise. But the first on screen. But the first on screen. uh, He he, uh, followed up Captain April, who actually was the first captain of the commissioned Enterprise. We don't know if that's in New Trek or not. It is. In the very first season of Star Trek Discoveries, Oh, it they do his, mention April, don't they? His name was up on a screen along with Jonathan Archer, Monster Christopher and, Pike. Yeah. Oh. That was their subtle way to try to say that it was the prime universe, but not canon. <laughs> well, so. and Captain April did make an appearance in the animated series. You're right. And he was like the, the snow-headed guy, right? Yes. He became yeah. the hero despite being old. I gotta watch that episode. You know, there are some quality episodes of that animated series. One of them was written by Walter Koenig, who, really, of course, was the only member of the original cast who was not in the show. Mostly because 
they didn't even want that they weren't even going to bring on Uhura uh, and and Sulu. Uh, but Leonard Nimoy says, if you keep losing all these dudes, I'm not going to do this. And they're like, we can't do it without you. So yeah, <laughs> God, really, they didn't want to have Uhura and Sulu on money. Uh, yeah, money thing. I, I thought mean, it was a racist they, thing, but okay. Majel Barrett and James Dewan did like all the male and female voices, not you know the main cast. So I mean, that's true. Well, James Dewan was a, a qualified voice actor, wasn't he? I don't know. He was a certified badass. Yes. Oh yeah. On um, one hand, he couldn't give you the middle finger. No, he could not. He he left it all out there for the Nazis. <laughs> he did. So. Uh, Crazy as, as, Canadians. Uh, as Pete Hill's father would pronounce it. <laughs> All right, so uh, Captain Pike, uh, one of the one of the better Star Trek cap or Star uh, sci-fi captains. Um, we didn't get to see a lot of him. The first time we really truly saw him was in Star Trek's Menagerie, because we didn't see the pilot that that wasn't made available yet. The first pilot for Star Trek. Okay. Um, yeah, the cage. A so really we saw good it in episode. flashback. So both of them were great. I mean, when you think about it, the menagerie was very creative to incorporate that pilot into they it. They did, but you could tell that Roddenberry used it just to run long chunks of, of things. It was like, how do we see? And they even asked in the court marshals, like, how are we seeing like all of yeah. these like third point of view <laughs> things? <laughs> A wizard did it. So. <laughs> yeah. Space wizard, got it. Yeah, but we got to see in in a very in a very sci-fi context uh, a man being caged literally with a, a very attractive young woman trying several. to uh, several. Yeah, uh, all very similar though. <laughs> Played by Lita. Um, no, I Lita? mean when they beamed down the two women from his crew. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, but I don't want to. I mean, she was meant to be objectified. I don't want to objectify the women in the crew. Right, but still. Anyway, um, but he was, he immediately showed a cerebral aspect to his personality. It was a kind, this wasn't a, 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 a punch him, punch him out situation where he was trying to punch the bad guy harder than the bad guy punched him. This was move counter move in the brain. At least until he finally got fed up in the, like in the yeah. third act of the, of the show. Well, a, man, a man eventually is going to cave, right? <laughs> yeah. When you're put through that many different false, uh, false uh, realities, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna crack at some point. Um, but you know, I like certain... I like Jeffrey Hunter's Christopher Pike. Oh my God, we saw a movie. With Jeffrey Hunter in it, it was a western. The Searchers. I don't think it was. It, I don't know if it was the Searchers or the Big Muddy. Well, the Searchers is him and John Wayne, and as might have you been. Know, I mean, Jeffrey Hunter was like a big character in it, like huge. Um, it, well, it doesn't matter. My wife saw him for the first time like eight years ago in that movie, 
And I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there fanboying like, yeah, yeah, Captain Pike, let's go, let's go. And my wife is just like, who is this tall drink of water <laughs> like that, you know? And I'm like, yeah, he is a tall drink of water. He'll, he'll, he'll work, right? And, <laughs> um, and she was shocked to find out that he was uh, Captain Pike in Star Trek because she had already seen the Star Trek movie from 2009, so she knew who Pike Greenwood. was. Was a very was also extremely fun as Christopher yes. Pike in the in the for all the parts of the Kelvin universe, Pike was not one of them. Pike was one of the best parts about it because one, you actually got to know Christopher Pike. Right, they, and that was the first they, time we actually got to know him, like on right. a personal level. You got you got they tipped the hat at the end when Kirk rescues him and he's sitting in the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, that's how it happens. There you go. Okay. Okay. I one of the things, another thing that was just a downside about Into Darkness was the unceremonious killing of, of oh, Pike. I was Admiral so pissed. Pike. Yeah. I was so pissed. Because it was kind of neat to see Kirk get mentored. You know. Well, that's exactly it, right? I mean, what did we see well, in the Menagerie? Like we saw Kirk holding Pike in such respect and, and on a pedestal in essence right right so i mean he didn't have the same background necessarily as we no, saw in star trek 09, there was but, definitely a mutual respect especially the man was a highly decorated captain was right uh, you know i mean and he gave you know he gave up command to kirk now there's been you know, fan fiction throughout the years is whether yeah. or not Kirk was his first officer before he, you know, at some point was was he Pike's first officer in the years leading up because between the cage and what is it where no man has gone before was like a decade. So yeah, hmm. So hmm. There, there's there's been you know there's a lot of fan fiction and some non-canon stuff that said maybe he had been, maybe not. All this to say that Christopher Pike has has become one of my favorite Star Trek, but also sci-fi captains. And Jeffrey Hunter was the original. And I forgive me, I don't remember the guy who they had to stuff and make up. Um, you would have think that we would have looked that up already since we previously discussed. I'll I'll do it. I got it. Yeah. Uh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. I used to know it like that. I know. I know. So there were four people who played Christopher Pike in Star Trek from the 60s onward to now. And of course, Pike is finally getting his own series again. You know what's irritating? When you put it in Star Trek, the original show does not show up even in the first like selection on IMDb recency bias. My God, what the hell? I, nope, that's the video game. So I've scrolled down like five different pages already. You keep scrolling while I'll talk about the other one. Just, just go to Wikipedia and go to the menagerie page. No, that's too simple. God damn it! You're right. Anyway, <laughs> while he's going ahead and getting sucked down the internet rabbit hole. The one Captain Pike who we haven't mentioned yet has been Anson Mount, 
as uh, Christopher Pike, as shown in the second season of Star Trek Discovery, which was easily, he was the best part of season two of Star Trek Discovery, in my opinion, and one of the best uh, things that happened in Star Trek Discovery so far for me. He was, in my opinion, while I liked Saru as captain, and uh, I enjoyed what Lorca did as uh, to a degree, and prime Giorgio as captain. He was Christopher Pike is the best captain in Star Trek Discovery for me. None of them others have come close. Um, Anson Mount brought such a great warmth, a little bit of John humor. Kenny. What's that? John Kenny. John, John Kenny with Kenny. Pike in the menagerie. Which really, was only episode a, 10 of the first season, by the way. Right. Or episode 11. That's insane. They did that pretty early. And it was a two-parter. Yeah, the only two-parter in that whole show. Correct. You know, I got I got to tell you, the Menagerie, I watched both The Cage and The Menagerie last year on Netflix. And The Menagerie, I could see what Roddenberry was doing. He was de- definitely trying to get away with showing Jeffrey Hunter as Pike. He was trying to get away with showing all the things he couldn't show before. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty much why he made it a two-part, so he could stuff as much of it into it as possible. He also inflated the universe. As it happens. Well, yeah. I, well, I mean, he, he, he gave a layer to the universe. He gave a history to the Enterprise that no one would have thought that they would have done. He built a huge back, you know, that really built the back catalog. It defined a lot of things. That took place like 10, 12 years before this mm-hmm. episode. Now it's, oh, wait, we're at a star base. There, there's more <laughs> to the Federation than just the one ship. No, there's Starfleet. You're starting to see it. It was showing depth. And it was an enjoyable take. I did like the purity of the cage a bit more than the menagerie, but it's also strange to watch the, the cage and see like the proto-Star Trek. Yeah. Like the rough draft of Star Trek is what it looked like. But there were some really good things about it. I, one, I really liked a lot of the other characters, and we'll have to do a deep dive into the cage and the menagerie another time because there's a lot of things I could go off on, the things I liked and didn't like, that, and things I wish they kept, but all good ideas. Yeah. I love Kirk. as a, He was always fun. He's charismatic. He's a cultural icon. But I really wish we had gotten to see Jeff, more of Jeffrey Hunter as Christopher Pike. You know, I and think... That man died before 1970 rolled around. Alcoholism, I believe. I, I'm, I'm just... I, and I was devastated when I found that. My wife was devastated because I found out the same night when he died. Uh, when we were watching that movie, I was looking him up. Um, but yeah, he he was such a he was such a treasure and such a good actor and intensity that that unparalleled. Watch the Searchers; he's great in that. Oh, I'm sure he, I, I'm, he was I'm a sure. young buck and he was standing toe to toe with John Wayne. It was pretty good. Oh man! So so anyway. you know that's that's something that was lost to us. <laughs> Too long ago. We were, uh, but we were gifted the cage. It, yes. It, it's, it's almost like bonus Star Trek when you think about it. And mm-hmm. 
and easily the best thing outside of Spock, which we know was like the only thing that really came that that stuck around after that. But Christopher Pike uh, has shown to be a very capable, very brave, very intelligent captain. He he basically rebuilt the Discovery crew from scratch, you know, rebuilt them after all the shit they dealt with in year one, the betrayal of Captain Lorca. The confusion of the mirror universe. And he was such a positive force for them, too. He was. And, you know, you know it's and funny. competent. Like, just, it's like, there was no, there was no real flaw with him. Which, which was fine. It, that's fine. I, he was should guilt. be human. There was guilt, yes. It was very guilt. He, he had a guilt complex about sitting out the, the Klingon war because he was on the frontier, like, Starfleet right. told him, but he had guilt about that. Remember when he showed uh, like his like failing grade from Starfleet Academy to kind of remind everybody that you know you know failure can happen and you can rebound from it and stuff like that. No, but that's a good lesson. I, I've I've seen every Discovery episode exactly once. So <laughs> me too. But man, Anson Mount really stuck with me as as yeah. Pike. He was great. I mean, obviously, that's the most we've had a chance to see of Pike, like right. 10 episodes. Uh, whereas Greenwood gets, you know, supporting role in in two, well, really in, you know, he get he's, uh, he's a mentor figure, so either he's going to get sidelined or he's going to die. Right. That's what ha- happens in these movies. Right. Passing um, of the baton. Uh, I'm glad Re- that he made Re- it. Detra. I was disappointed. When watching the first movie, I was kind of disappointed. I'm like, man, they're going to do Pike Dirty again. We have an entire new universe, <laughs> and they're going to do Pike Dirty. We got yeah, where are we going to see him get figured and and wheelchair bound at this? I, I swear that that was going to happen at the end of season two. <laughs> I was convinced. Well, no, I, I was talking about Greenwood in the movies, and like, oh, oh great, he made it through the movie. Oh, okay, sweet. Oh, he's in the second one. Awesome. Yeah. And he's dead about a third away. Yeah. Not even not even halfway. <laughs> but still, more Christopher Pike than we'd ever really gotten, honestly. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love his challenge to Kirk when he's Commander Pike and he breaks up the bar fight and he's like, your father saved like 800. He was in command of the of a ship for like 20 minutes and yep. saved 800 lives. And <laughs> he says... I dare you to do better. That was great. <laughs> that was so great. That is Even a good if that line. was Pike's only scene in the entire, it would have been, that would have been worth it because that was Pretty such legendary. a great scene. Yeah. But Bruce Greenwood definitely brought a great, you know, he had a decent humor like when Sulu couldn't get the ship started. It's like, mm-hmm. did you, you know, forget to take, you know, take the parking take brake the off? Parking brake off. Yeah, yeah it's a good line, you know. I've seen that movie way too many times. <laughs> he was he was one of the to me he was and, and on follow up watchings. Greenwood as Pike was a really good get for that mm-hmm. timeline, you know. And if they ever do end up making, you know, uh, you know, a, a fourth Kelvin timeline movie. I'd love like a flashback scene with him in it just for that would make me happy. Would be nice. 
But Jeff Hunter nailed it. And, you know, this Sean Kenny guy, he was basically a, a, a an extra. He didn't speak. <laughs> he really was. He didn't, they, they, didn't say he didn't even he didn't even move. Like they I mean, basically <laughs> disfigured him so they could just say, Oh, this is why he doesn't look like Jeffrey Hunter. Yeah. So I think that's, that's basically smart. the whole reason why. So. Smart, but anyway. all right. So why don't we move on to Sheridan? One last thing. I really look forward to Strange New Worlds because I want to see more of Christopher Pike. Anson Mount's Christopher Pike, uh, one of the best additions to the new versions of Star Trek. Yay or nay on your side? He was the best addition to the new Star Trek. I'm terrified of Strange New Worlds because I don't want to see what we've seen of him ruined. You know what I mean? Like, they kind of fell backwards in how good of a character he is. Because I mean, the writing, the writing, I, I know you were saying that season two was better than season one, but the writing for the, sh- for the discovery overall has just been atrocious. It, it has had some issues. I will concur with that. And again, I am just, I don't like, I'm worried that it's growing from the same tree. Well. That's I mean, my only thing. We'll I see. like the character that much. I'm afraid to see more of him. I want to see more of him, but I'm afraid <laughs> of what might I'm happen. cautiously optimistic because of how well he, uh, number one, and uh, young Spock were received and how much I enjoyed them. So I look forward to seeing that going forward because I think they all have a very good grasp of those characters. Yeah. And I almost, I kind of get the feeling that they might drive the train a little more. Well, I would agree with that. Yeah. So we'll see, but you're right. Yeah, we'll see. Now on to somebody who definitely has. (laughs) And I grew up, Star Trek was primary. You know, I love Star Wars. That's become huge. You know, I've gone on and off through what's, Bigger with me, Star Trek or Star Wars, but primarily I was a Trek guy. You know, always loved Star Wars. Really enjoyed Babylon 5, though. And I freely admit, I didn't watch season one as much. Michael O'Hare as Commander Sinclair was okay, but I really got hooked on it in season two when they brought Bruce Boxleitner in as Captain John J. Sheridan. John Sheridan was easily, is easily top 10, maybe even top five sci-fi captains. I know that's a dangerous thing to say with all these great Star Trek captains that we've mentioned, and we haven't even broached some of the other major franchises yet. But John Sheridan, a top sci-fi captain. And, you know, he was... Since Babylon 5 was a little different, he was definitely a soldier first. But he was a man who definitely, you know, he kind of fell into that space Jesus thing that some of our other captains have found, like Cisco. But uh, we've also, he he learned to be a diplomat and um, learned to put aside old grudges uh, against the Minbari. And he married one. 
had a family with one, lived on Minbar. So the man had a strong character arc, had a great character, a great sense of humor, and he was a certifiable badass. What's that, What's that, Mac? Oh, thank you. Yes, I was right, most definitely. I appreciate your feedback. Yeah, no, you're you're right. Just nod. It's good. You know, I'll continue to roll on. Definitely one of the best sci-fi captains. He captained Starship, Captain Station, the leader of Interstellar Alliance. He ran the gambit, didn't he? And again, Space Jesus. Well. <laughs> He even he went did. with the facial hair. He did. He even did go with the facial hair. How how much did they age him? How how many years did he lose? Well, you know, he, he was only, they were only able to revive him for like 20 years, right? That's what the first one gave him after right. he blew up Zaha Doom. That was at the end of season four, right? Three. The end of season four was the one where they weren't sure if it was going to be picked up again. Oh, my God. But they already wrapped up all the storylines. They did because they were picked up by TNT late in the game for season five. So then they kind of had to invent a lot of shit, including finding a replacement for Ivanova. No, that's right. And they were able to get her back in the movie in the beginning. They did... And what they had filmed to be the series finale at the end of season four got kicked out to the end of season five. So it looks like Ivanova came back, but yeah. they really just filmed it before she walked out of her contract. <laughs> Ivanova did become a captain. And I'm yeah. sure she would have been a certifiable badass as a captain, but we didn't get to really see her as much. Was she referenced at all in Crusade? She was not referenced in Crusade, but she was referenced a few times in season five. Okay. Well, that would make sense, um, but yeah. Okay. Sheridan. I like Sheridan. I identify with Sheridan. He was a soldier, but he definitely worked on becoming a diplomat. In fact, he was the, a diplomat's son. Then he became a soldier, and he was a soldier first and foremost, particularly when he first got there. But he really caught on to the diplomacy. He was a pretty affable and agreeable guy. Well, uh, yeah, I want to work on that, but keep going. Sorry. Sinclair always struck me as kind of maybe rougher around the edges. and You think he was rougher around the edges? I felt he was too structured, too, too uncompromising. Yeah. Maybe, but I also think his character was rougher around the edges. You know, he had a lot of baggage yeah and while sheridan had some he did a much better job of com- compartmentalizing it uh sheridan always came off to me as the everyman who was thrust into who was thrust into something that he always wanted but it became much greater than he always than he ever anticipated well one of the things i liked about him was his sense of humor too well that's what made him the everyman right yeah, you know, throw in a little yeah. humor, and you're like, "Oh my God, you're human." I mean, humor, human. There, there's, there's something there. 
but he was a tough bastard. And I'm not even talking oh about, God. you know, like the whole rise from the dead thing. He was no. just, I mean, he was the only earth hero of the Minbari War. He, <laughs> he was, you know, basically a legend in, in Earth Force. Mm-hmm. You know, the Minbari hated him and kind of feared him. You know? He was Starkiller, wasn't he? He was Starkiller. It was a great nickname. What a was... hell of a name. Can you imagine being called something like that by your enemy? Like... Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and it's like, it was kind of like, you know, the Kingslayer in Game of Thrones. Or, yeah, you know, that was the original name of the Skywalker family. Right. Starkiller. Starkiller, yeah. Starkiller base. You know, Starkiller is just a, was a pretty badass sounding nickname. Who but, was the American sniper guy? What was his name? He was called the Devil of Ramadi. Chris Kyle. Chris Kyle. Was he was that was that moniker given to him by uh, the it's insurgency? Just, it's usually better when uh, you're giving it to you by your enemies. I don't right. know. I'd have that's to. That's a good I, question, right? I mean, that's the only example know. I can think of in real life. Of like a moniker being given to someone in modern day combat. Uh, well, we had uh, General uh, Mad Dog Mattis. <laughs> yeah, but that was his own people calling him that. <laughs> really hard to argue with that. <laughs> no. <laughs> and... And there's only one person in the room who knew how serious it got. Yeah, exactly. Well, look, Sheridan so, easily, has, I think, if you were to pair him in a top, I think he, I think he cracks a top ten list of top sci-fi captains. I oh, mean, he had easily, a, easily. he had a huge impact on his franchise. I would argue top five. Okay, yeah, I I would argue that he is at least deserving of a shot at a top five spot. Uh, and you know me, I'm a big fan of his. I would rank him up there with some of, you know, I, I to be honest with you, I he's he's better than Kirk. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Overall, well, now you're making me doubt one of my choices that I have for later. Cultural impact, hands down. Kirk is. Everybody knows Captain Kirk, right? Right. If you were to but go ahead and say, who's, that who's Captain better. John Sheridan? They're like, maybe the Civil War guy? Right. Oh, you mean the guy that burned Atlanta? Uh, that Sherman. Sheridan burned the, Jan- the Shenandoah Valley in Virginia. Oh. Oh, there was a Sheridan. Never mind. I thought Which you were apparently, and I, I never heard it, but I've seen like in like official bios, like that's like an ancestor of, Sher- of John Sheridan. Oh, that's friggin' funny. <laughs> uh, I mean, it is kind of one of those names that stands out just a little in it's American little history. Bit. So, anyway, great captain, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's there's the whole B five DS nine debate. I like Cisco. We're not Cisco. even gonna. We're not even gonna acknowledge that. Different for we different shouldn't. reasons, but I, you know, I have him up there with like Ben Cisco. And some of these guys who I really love, you know, as sci-fi captain. So that there's one. So okay. All right, who's your next one? 
Okay. So here, here, here's my quandary. And I don't know how I can word this where it makes sense. Because when do I ever make sense? Um, I'm going to throw it out there. Captain Picard. Jean-Luc Picard is a fantastic starship captain. I I would agree. Now he has become as much of a he's become a huge cultural icon too. A lot of which because of just how like a late career renaissance that Patrick Stewart has had. I seriously, dude, you have did you ever see the movie Killer Queen or uh, the the Babysitter? No, it's on Netflix. It's directed by McGee. It's a slasher flick with a lot of comedy. You would probably hate it, but um. It was fantastic, like just as a thing. But this this really attractive babysitter is is um, watching her thirteen year old or twelve year old uh, charge by the name of Cole, who's a nerd and is afraid of needles and stuff. And they were literally talking about a team of the best cap, uh, the best sci fi characters you would want on your team. And she was like, "All right, number one, I'm choosing Captain Picard." I'm sitting here watching this going, what the frack? She knows Picard? Like, <laughs> Picard's gained a lot of uh, Picard, gained Picard? A lot of popularity in street cred. I, me- mean, I think the memes helped him. I, honestly, every, all the characters in The Next Generation have more cachet now than they did at any point during the first run of TNG. At any point. Well, of course. But you don't have to take my word for it. Of course. Well, except for yeah, and Levar. Even now, Levar Burton's more—he's more god than man in pop culture. Like <laughs> he is. I swear. Like, it sounds sacrilegious, but it's true. I mean, but still, getting back to Jean-Luc Picard, <laughs> one really, there's only been one actor who's portrayed Picard. You know. It's Patrick Stewart. You know, right. I, the, the I know Nemesis out. sets up that young Picard, you know, could, be, could have been played by young Tom Hardy, but it also kind of contradicted some of the stuff from Tapestry. I you know. know. And I know. Oh, some of the other ones where you would crawl. see that his, that he, you know, um, what was the violation? The flashback. The the fla- violation, yeah, violation. The flashback when Beverly was going to see, yeah, yeah Tom. So, so, you know, it, it, it's just, I get it. It's Not everything's perfect in Trek, but Jean-Luc Picard is most definitely, particularly as you watch the character grow, not only is he less rigid, but he becomes more and more badass. Well, should we define TNG Picard versus movie Picard? Because they're no. two kind of different characters. No, because you could see signs of movie Picard growing in TV Picard. Yes. I mean, just just look at it. Look at uh, yesterday's Enterprise. You know, uh-huh. Riker gets killed. He's leaping over the, 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 the stupid railing and he's yeah. going down fighting. You see him, Captain's Holiday, duking it out with aliens you know, obviously, he. I'm sure Patrick Stewart enjoyed Cupid so he could 
do his sword skills that he did in all of his Shakespearean and Arthurian shit in the past. I mean, it's hard to argue. I mean, you can you can see it, uh, particularly like things like um, the Gambit, where he goes undercover basically as a space pirate. You know. Yeah. You you start to see Picard spread out from this very stuffy, very reserved, very self-righteous um, veteran captain who who's more, you know, obviously Riker's the guy who's going to go out and mix it up, right? That was the intent. And later right. on, Picard ends up mixing it up just as much as anybody else. Hmm. And of course, movie Picard, you know, you do get to see his his pure, unrivaled hatred of the Borg. You get to see a couple of badass moments where, you know, he's like, you know, slinging, slinging phaser bolts like a badass, going rogue on Starfleet admirals, left and right. <laughs> What's he doing? First contact, disobeys a Starfleet admiral. What's he doing? Interaction, disobeys an admiral. Right. All the admirals, really. I mean... <laughs> Jesus. There's like only a handful of, of admirals in Starfleet that really didn't, you know, come off looking like total douchebags. Well, Nechaev was the only one that appeared to be the most stable one. Yeah, she was a pain in the and ass. She, she was, was a hard ass, but... Hard ass, man. She was. But she was hard ass enough to get herself into Deep Space Nine a couple times. That's right, she was. Early on, though, right? Yeah. But then you get Admiral Ross, for the most part, shows that not all admirals are either incompetent or evil. So. <laughs> I loved Admiral Ross. Admiral but, Ross was great. Yeah. We need to do a list of admirals. <laughs> well, we've already covered a couple. We already One, did already. Yeah. So, but I mean, what I loved about Picard, so you, you took this away. What I, I love this. Uh, and, and this is the partiality with me with Captain Pike, too. I, I love the cerebral nature of Picard. Uh, I genuinely looked at Picard as a, a, a role model in the sense that, okay, he seems to be doing right things. Now, if you're going to follow a role model as a fictional character, I do not recommend it. However, No, you Picard, don't choose a fictional character as a role model? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Somebody's... don't, but... <laughs> Picard actually worked out pretty well. He always chose the, you know, the, the moral right. He always, he always chose, uh, he, I'm sorry, the moral, the correct moral solution. He always, he never gave in to his baser instincts. Mm. First contact, he kind of slipped a little. A little bit. But, I mean, that that's movie Picard. That's not TNG Picard. Right. So and I know that there's a, there is a small distinction there, but not much he, though. He had this control over his baser instincts for most of the show, right? Yeah, because he was like sixty years old. You know, he wasn't <laughs> thirty years old like Riker and, and Kirk. You know. So what you're and telling what, me is that as a thirteen year old who is trying desperately to figure out what the hell is going on in this world, that it was unhealthy of me to try to gain my baser instincts control. <laughs> 
Well, obviously, <laughs> self-control is something that's actually very important for us as humans. But, right. you know, that was like the whole point of tapestry. You know, and when you start hearing about some of Picard's antics Johnny. when he was younger. They called him Johnny. Like... <laughs> He wasn't Sir Patrick Stewart then. He was, you know. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. So, okay. I, I, I liked the I liked the book smarts. I liked the analysis that he did. Uh, there were very few times that he was in a fisticuffs, uh, especially during the shows. Yeah, but he and held he, his own most of the time. True, and that that's what made it. That's what made him more mythical in a sense. You know, he was such a cerebral person, but when it came down to fisticuffs, usually ended out on top. Right? Usually. I mean, he wasn't ripping his shirt off and fighting every other episode like Kurt. No. You know? No, in fact, he wore more layers. Yes, he did. <laughs> he did. But you, get, you, but you got to see more of more depth in Picard too, though they they did more character development with him, particularly in the middle to late series. Yeah, um, he was interested in fencing and archaeology and Shakespeare. Well, mm-hmm. of course, I obviously we know that Patrick Stewart was a member of the Royal Shakespeare Company. So that makes sense. That was that was you a get to write a little bit of something in in that for him. Mm-hmm. But you you got to see some of his passions right yep and yes was it but then you hear that he won the academy marathon as a cadet or that you know he was the youngest captain in starfleet at one point because he took over the ship you know and he served as captain of one starship for 20 years before he took command of the flagship of the federation the enterprise that's true the whole other life this dude this dude had two ships blown out from under him, and he took another one. They came, oh, well, here, let's give you an even more advanced one. Yeah. <laughs> that one almost got blown out from under him. In Several fact, he times. tried to ram it. He rammed it into the scimitar. <laughs> and he, he set the auto-destruct on the other one yep. in the first time it was out. <laughs> but needless to say. Well, that's why, that's why insurance premiums are so high for the elderly. Jean-Luc Picard, even in his 90s, whatever he is in Picard, is still has the mind. 97 or 98. Still has the the heart. Yep. Even if it is, you know, synthetic both before and after he died. Mm. But he's still, you know, it was still the same mind was he out there uh you know trying to duke it up maybe not i mean patrick stewart's like 80 years old but Uh, he's in pretty good shape for an old dude well did you see the picture of him doing the one-armed push-ups during the seahawks super bowl against the broncos i didn't but uh obviously he would have been a better (laughs) choice of quarterback than peyton manning in that super bowl holy shit no was it Okay, because it was it was uh, Peyton. All right, the Seahawks beat the Broncos. Yes. But the Broncos beat the Panthers the next year. Yes. 
That's what no. happened. We no no. We we beat the Seahawks in that in between year. Oh, okay, that's right. So the Broncos that's right. Okay. The Broncos were in Super Bowl fifty. Yeah. When when the when they won uh against uh the okay. Panthers. The Panthers. Damn. Yep. Uh, the first the first real Super Bowl I ever watched was Super Bowl um with the Broncos and the Redskins uh, back in 1986. That was a clunker. That was a big clunker. And For then the, the Broncos, next time... anyway, if you liked the, <laughs> if you liked Washington, that was a good game. <laughs> and then, oh, here's a kicker. All right, hey, get we're getting on track. We got to get to a few other t- uh, captains before we wrap up. Fine, fine. But you'll never ha- know how I'll tie in Desmond Howard into this one. Please don't. I don't want to hear Desmond Howard. Ever. <laughs> Ever. I know why now. <laughs> you shouldn't want to hear him either. I don't. I, I realize why I never liked him. <laughs> and there you go. Anyway. Play for Michigan and then the, the, the evil. Um, go ahead. What's your all right? So we're moving on from Picard. We all love well, Picard. Well, well let's do the final wrap up on Picard. Like, so Picard, he's. We talked about the things we liked about him. We've talked about what makes him a great starship captain. What do you think? Do you think he was the finest starship captain in the in the Federation that we've Quite seen honestly, to date? Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. But here's the kicker. I feel like Cisco was the better Star Trek lead. He was. And that's something now, we think about think into. about that. Think about that conflict right there. No, it's not a conflict. Feels like a conflict, but <laughs> Cisco I feel, I feel had like Cisco was the better Star Trek lead, but Picard was the best captain. All right. Cisco is one of my all-time favorites, so we'll just jump into him real quick, okay? Was, I don't, was he going to be one you listed? He's on. I I wrote down a list of all of some of my favorites and some other interesting ones, but we might as well talk about who might be legitimately the mo- the best lead of all series of Star Trek, and okay. that's Benjamin Cisco. Avery Book straight up owns that role. Cisco, yep. of course, doesn't start as a captain. Right? You know, you actually we get to see him become captain. He has a badass little ship that blows shit up. It's oh no apart. no, let's, let's, it's even better than that. But, he starts off as commander, freaking hating Picard, hating Picard, and wishing Picard's death essentially. Yeah, and hating Starfleet. Like he's the antithesis. Of the leader that Starfleet would essentially want. And Deep Space Nine was a backwater assignment. He wasn't yeah, on uh, the flagship of the Federation. He wasn't on some cutting-edge starbase facing on the Romulan neutral zone or something like that. So when we see Cisco, he's a broken man. He's filled with a lot of rage, a lot of sadness. Uh, he's got a lot of baggage. And he starts to push through it when he kind of sees where he can break through. And in overnight, he goes from being this no-name, you know, possible loss to Starfleet, you know, and some backwater 
bird to the most important post in the Federation. And it's one of its most influential leaders. Almost overnight. <laughs> Discovers the, the only known stable wormhole. Does connects first contact from a space station in known space conducts first contact with godlike beings residing in the in, who created mm-hmm. the stable wormhole, and is it's starting to become a religious icon to a people that the Federation is hoping to bring in and to and really piss off the Cardassians. <laughs> Yes. He becomes the guy who basically starts the war with the Dominion and essentially the guy who basically wins the war with the Dominion. Yes. This is true. Cisco is a father. He's a religious icon. He's a friend, a mentor, and oh yeah, he's a Starfleet captain. So let's think about this. He's a Starfleet captain, but probably not the best example of a Starfleet captain because he breaks so many things. The well, biggest one in Pale Moonlight. Him, well, yeah, that was criminal. But I mean, we've seen uh, that's Picard criminal. break the, that. the prime directive several times. Kirk broke it all the time. But did any one of them murder, outright murder an ambassador and frame it on the Dominion? No. Cisco did not murder. He was an accessory. It was true. He was an accessory to murder. So, but that being said, still not good. But he was probably the best depiction of a father-son relationship on TV at the time. Ever. Really? Yeah. He was ever. one of the best TV It was one of the dads. healthiest father-son, father-son relationships you've ever seen on TV. Yeah. Um, and then oh, what was and- the other thing? Husband? He did. I would say I, I would say uh, the amount of devotion that he shared to both his his, his late wife and and to Cassidy was second to none. Hey, he sent her to jail. He still married her. Yeah, think about that. I, I mean, the the level of that that kind of love that he displayed. I mean, we didn't see that again. Not really. At least not in leads no you'd see it like stamets and culber they've got a pretty decent relationship yes i was um, so upset when culber died and he's back and he's I better he's back culber 2.0 is much better than original culber but i was very upset when he died and for all for all my loathing of the writing on discovery there are characters that i really liked and i was very upset to see dead initially yes so <laughs> he's one of the those are one of the best examples of relationships and Riker and Troy you, you see him as a couple on Nepenthe yeah they're a stable couple Captain Riker uh, they're hilariously matched on the Titan in Lower Decks mm-hmm. so there you go Finally getting some love. some, But you're right. There's, there, But there's precious few. You don't have a lot. No. But no. Cisco, he broke a lot of molds. He was the first to not be a captain yep. when the show starts. 
He's the first to have a true warship. He's the first to have a space station. By the way, this guy had a ship and a space station. So, I mean, he was balling. Get a room. <laughs> Come on, we, we all have to admit that Ben Cisco uh, was, was a great sweet. boss. I mean, in addition sweet, yeah. to you know helping, you know, you know, forge evidence of a, a Dominion attack on Romulus. <laughs> remember the time he also, you know, poisoned a planet uh, to, yeah. to, to, to stop the Maquis. <laughs> right. Ben Cisco's done some questionable things, but he is a certified yep. badass. <laughs> Which is why he's done some questionable things. But anyway, yeah. That being said, all right, let's. We got two more to move on to. All right, you got one. And my last one. My last one's not going to last very long. Go first. No, you. Go and I also first. have some breaking. I have some breaking news that's related to one of our earlier shows. All right, but go ahead and you so. go. Oh, you're going to hate me for this one. I hate you already. Yeah, apparently. Taronga Leela. Oh, you swiped that out. <laughs> From Futurama, the world, the universe's most lovely mutant on Earth. <laughs> well, she sure as shit is a better captain than Zap Brannigan. Oh my God, the most oh. competent, the probably the most competent brain in the entire universe. At that point, which I weep for the future, if that's what we're turning into, which we quite all clearly see is happening. She so. she, she was a great character. <laughs> Katie Sagal killed it. Mm-hmm. You know, in a lot of ways, she had to be the straight man to yep. the ridiculousness going on around her. The although, man boys around her. Although when she would go off the deep end, it was entertaining. Yeah, it was a different kind of deep end, though, you know. Yeah, um, and of course, <laughs> just <laughs> her her interactions with these ridiculous characters, mm-hmm. the fact that she generally tries to do the right thing, tries to do the job. She, the consistent she, voice of reason she all kicks, the time. She kicks a lot oh. of ass <laughs> and looks good doing it. Yeah. Hey, she... She's hey. a capable starship pilot with no depth perception. Let's remember that. Yeah, I mean, there's something to admire in that. And listen, yep. she, she's a tall drink of water. Shut up, baby. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> I Lila, thought that, that was a fun little addition. <laughs> you really don't cook enough roast, Lila. <laughs> oh, my. I, th- I, th- I think she deserves, I mean, for what she has to put up with, she keeps the business going. I mean, she's literally the backbone of that entire if business. You, and if you watch Bender's big score, she actually had to take over and lead the Earth Defense Fleet against the scamming aliens. Oh, my God. It's been at least 10 years since I've seen that one. Yeah. Oh, right. I, me and me and the, the missus will will dive in and, and rewatch some Futurama from time to time. Because I got Mac Jr. into it. He's like he's been oh. rewatching it. Yeah. Oh. Oh, good yeah. news, everyone. <laughs> oh, my. I got Mac Jr. I'm sitting there. I'm watching him listening. I'm listening to him watching it, and he's laughing his ass off. Why and I'm like, Futurama? hey, Mac. Mac, what? You watching? You watching some Futurama? Yeah. Why? I'm proud of you. I'm just proud of you. <laughs> 
So that, that's literally what happened two days ago in our household. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> she was a pretty capable captain. I, I mean, honestly, she was a great role model. If you're gonna go, if you're gonna use a fictional character as a role model, <laughs> she rose from I've being an orphan in a corner. Yep. to being, you know, in charge of a delivery shit. She yep. defended Earth on numerous occasions. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely, and she was the voice of reason for this entire company, keeping those buffoons in line for untold. How I mean, she got a she got a drunk. She had a drunk robot, a functionally recessive man from a thousand years ago, uh, a, a Jewish castration <laughs> who didn't have any idea of human cues. <laughs> Did somebody mention something about a free hot meal? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, who was the girl? Amy. Amy, a complete narcissist. And and although uh, a certifiable genius, yes, I would grant that. And, and what did Fry call the professor an amoral crackpot? Yeah. <laughs> and Phil Lamar filling in yet another role in sci-fi. Yes, that's true. Hermes Conrad, the most bureaucratic Hermes. of bureaucrats. Yep. <laughs> Which you know adds nothing. Uh, yeah, Gruffy the janitor. <laughs> Let's not forget Nixon. Oh my God! You killed Edward's a... clone of Agnew. <laughs> Nixon had a very large role in that show, considering that realistically, his real body died six years before that show even was aired. Like, <laughs> well, that's good because Nixon's pro-war and pro-family. Yeah. <laughs> yes all right as we've mentioned so, futurama great show leela great starship captain yeah all right yeah did you say you had one more to name no 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 you're yeah i'm done i have i have some breaking news that i want to share that's relevant to a previous episode that we did but let's do one more for you all right if you I'm, want. Going, I'm going to jump out and i am going to mention what I think is an underrated one, and then we can have a couple of honorable mentions. Sound good? A couple honorable mentions. As long as we don't delve into it for ten minutes. No, not really. No, 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 no. So, looking back through my sci-fi nerdiness, you know, we've caught, we've talked about Futurama, Star Trek, Battlestar, uh, Stargate, Firefly, and... Then we plumb the depths of the Star Trek universe, mostly. Yeah. But when you're thinking about a fascinating and pretty entertaining starship captain, I'm going to have to dive back into the B-5 world and go into Crusade. Matthew Gideon by Gary Cole was a great... Gary Cole. He was great. Wow. We're going to have to have you come in on a Saturday, okay? Well, you know what? He's the, he's the new lead of NCIS. He took over for Mark Harmon. I like his character. Oh, Gary Cole is a, he's a transcendent actor. He's great. No, he's great. And, <laughs> and Matthew Gideon is a... I, I, in fact, as much as I want to be like John Sheridan, I probably identify a little bit more with Matthew Gideon. <laughs> 
Hey, like, you know what? As long as you're truthful pretty, about it. I'm going to piss a lot of people off, but I'll get mm-hmm. the job done. And let me tell you, I, that was probably the bulk of my career was doing stuff <laughs> like that, okay? He was great. He was, he was interesting. He was he was definitely a little rough around the edges. He was a guy who had, you know, kind of came up through the ranks with, you know, not a lot, and he ended up in charge of the most ex- ridiculous ship humans ever <laughs> built. Which, by the way, that is most definitely, that is a a, a subject we need to do, is like best star starships inside not to not to sidetrack what made the crusade the most ridiculous ship that humans ever built because i just only saw one episode of vorlon technology they had access to because it was actually built by the interstellar alliance Uh, and it was using some, some limited vorlon technology it was the it was the most advanced ship ever built by humans it was built by humans. Yes. It was built by humans. It was kind of a joint venture between Earth and the Interstellar Alliance. And they were supposed to build a bunch of them. Um, the, the TV movie Call to Arms is like a prequel to uh, Crusade. They basically set it up. They show how the Drock Plague hits. They, but that was oh, a... Really? Yeah, it was really good. It, it's a... Um, it, it actually stars uh, Bruce Boxleitner, Jerry Doyle. They're in on it. Hmm. It's actually a, a Sheridan story. Uh, President Sheridan gets in, gets behind the, gets back in the captain's chair and fights, uh, goes and fights some uh, um, some uh, former allies of the Shadows who are pissed off at, hmm. at those who defeated the Shadows. Like five years after the end of the series, it was good. It was really. The movie I thought was pretty decent, and then the, uh, on, the it's on uh, iTunes right now. It is, and I've watched it quite a few times. I thought it was pretty decent. Seven, it was a good well, setup for Crusade. There wasn't really many of the characters from Crusade weren't weren't really in the movie. One or two of them were, but overall, Crusade was one of those series that was screwed from the get go. It was like one of those ones that was like basically canceled before it started. TNT didn't really right. know what they had with with it and just screwed the pooch because it was set up. It would have been a fun show to watch and it was a fun yeah. show to watch. But Gideon was a, Gary Cole was a great pick for a lead and Gideon was a fascinating character. He was, he would get into fist fights, but he would try to, he was a, he was a wise ass. He was much more of a wise ass than Sheridan who had, <laughs> had some pretty good, had some pretty good lines, but he was a real, Gideon was a bit more, um, Let's just say he had a little bit more street cred. You know, he was a little bit more, you know, kind of, you know, street yeah. kind of guy. Yeah. Um, but uh, really enjoyable. So. Okay. Okay. He's underrated. Uh, and it was fun. I wish Crusade had had a chance to be done right, but uh, you know. Maybe maybe in the reboot of B five we'll get we'll, Crusade will get some love at some point. We'll see. We can only yeah. hope. So that's a fascinating pick, DT. I like it. I like it. That was good. Well, you know. All right. Do you want to do the honorary mentions? Well, so here, <laughs> here's you. some honorable mentions for me. Okay. 
we've got some of these quote-unquote uh, captains who are also just basically some hilarious and fun space rogues. Um, we do, you know, Leela and 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 Mal Reynolds are, are both kind of like low-level captains. There's like one ship and there's like a handful of people on board, you know. Mm-hmm. But they they were pretty good at it. They were good picks because they were interesting characters. But we got to mention one of the famous, most famous ship captains not in Star Trek. I'm Han Solo, captain of the Millennium Falcon. Oh, God damn it. That was on my list. I don't love Han, but it's really usually mostly he was just never considered. Uh, he was never really a captain. He was a swashbuckler, rogue smuggler. Not a whole lot different than Malcolm Reynolds. Not a whole lot no. different, honestly, than Leela, who was the ship captain of a delivery ship. So, but they called they called them captain. Han Solo was never called captain. However, yeah. I will agree with he you. He calls him I'm Han Solo, captain of the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, and he says it himself. They they keep calling him Captain Solo. Oh, son of a bitch, you're right. Until Return of the Jedi when he gets promoted to general. But yeah. General. And everyone's a general at that point. Right. <laughs> you're a general. general. You're a general. It's like you're that, a general. Everyone's a general. Oh, it was like that line <laughs> from uh from what was it was one of the mirror it was like the last mirror universe uh episode of Deep Space Nine. It's like General O'Brien. Yep, General O'Brien, General Bashir's. We've got a <laughs> yeah. lot of generals, no ships. You know? yep. <laughs> no ships, just a lot of general. Yeah. So. <laughs> but Han Solo, space pirate, rogue, you know. But he's had his own ship. He's had small crews, but he's had crews, you know. It's, uh, I, I mean, it's hard to argue. And then if we're going to talk about other, you know, another one, you got Peter Quill, Star yeah. Lord. Here's one for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Peter, uh, what was it? Uh, Peter Quincy Taggart slash Jason Nesmith from oh, Galaxy man. Quest. God, I didn't even think about that one. Here's a good one. That's a and good a, one. You know, I, I'll throw a little love out there to to Janeway. She was um, not. She was. Uh, she had a tough. She had a tough gig, and she had to do a a tough job mm-hmm. bringing that crew home. Of course, you got James T. Kirk. Legendary starship captain, like the first major starship captain that people really <laughs> knew and followed, cultural oh. icon. Here's two that's gonna pop up, kind of like the Matthew Gideon type. And I'm gonna just give you the names, and you have to tell me which which show they're from. I'm terrible at this crap. All right, first one is Dylan Hunt. Dylan Hunt. Star Trek adjacent. Dylan Hunt. The actor's name, right? That is the character name. Oh, Dylan Hunt. Would it help you if I gave you the actor's name? Yeah. Kevin Sorbo. Oh, crap, Andromeda. Yep. Oh, God. The first the first Star Trek discovery. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, there is definitely some significant similarities. 
between rebuilding the system's commonwealth and rebuilding uh, the federation. Yeah. Hey, it's not stealing if you're reusing the the, the author's work. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's an homage. Um, uh, sure. But, yeah. You know, the show was a little up and down for me. I I, I watched all five seasons of it on DVD. Um, it was entertaining enough that what it was. I won't say it's a sci-fi classic, but Sorbo as Dylan Hunt was actually a pretty, he's a pretty likable lead, um, a pretty decent starship captain. Yeah. And then, and then my next one is, let's see if you can name this one. It's another one from the golden age of sci-fi. Oh, boy. Nathan, Nathan Bridger. No, I know this one. Now, technically, technically not a starship captain, but a ship captain. I know this one. You might as well just take my geek card at this point, because goddamn. Uh, From a TV show that was definitely a, a missed opportunity, one that failed to live up to its first season potential. Almost every sci-fi show is like that, BT. Almost all of them. <laughs> Except for the ones that succeed. So, and even then. Um, Bridger. Oh, my God. Sequest DSV. Yes. And I will say that Roy Schneider. Roy Schneider as Nathan Bridger, particularly in the first season, the, the super sub... You know, it was very sciencey and kind of earth friendly. They got a little more sci-fi in season two. In season three, season three, when they had the new captain, what was his Oliver Hudson by Michael yeah. Ironside? He wasn't bad. He was back. actually because Michael Ironside had made had done a history of playing dicks and bad guys. Yeah, he was he was a hard ass, but he was a, actually not a bad replacement character. You did say, everything you could to have me watch season three of Stargate. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, of Sequest DSV. The problem was we didn't have DVRs back no, then. And there was conflicting programming for me that night. You know what? It wasn't, it, you know, I, I, let, let's just say this. Particularly Bridger in season one was a really good, he was a pretty good lead, a pretty good. You know, because they were ex- mostly exploring and peacekeeping and whatnot, mm-hmm. and that uh, was you were they were really yeah. kind of leaning into that early '90s pro-Earth environmental kick that they were on. It was basically mm-hmm. the Earth Day thing, but uh, overall, I was a pretty decent sci-fi captain. Um, what year did that show take place? The first season, 2025. Uh, it was like tw- it's like 20. It was like 2018 or something like that. No, it was, way. It was like four years ago. Yeah, I thought it was like 20. Uh, I and, remember and a scene. The third, the third season was 2032. 2032. Yeah, and because they got the ship got sent out of space and then right. got sent back, but it was like 10 years later. It, right. it got a little ridiculous at the in season two, although it did have a, a guest appearance. Guest appearances by William Shatner, Mark Hamill, Kent McCord. You know, so you're getting some sci- guys with serious sci-fi cred. Jesus. 
guy from original Battlestar, Captain Kirk <laughs> and Luke Skywalker. You yeah. Know? Plus, the dude from Jaws was the lead. Jesus. You're going to need a bigger boat. You are. You're going to need a bigger boat for that. And the last Starship captain from a sci-fi show that I will throw out there is not half bad is Ed Mercer. Sorry, hold on. Ed Mercer. Oh, my God. The Orville. Yep. Oh, he is the true everyman. Well, yeah, because it's Seth MacFarlane playing a, a, a dweeb. He gets to, he's basically playing, you know, Finally a Star Trek nerd all, who actually gets all to, of our fantasies. Which that's it what takes he is. Seriously, he's a huge, yeah, he's a huge sci-fi nerd. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he obviously know he's a gigantic Star Trek fan because the Orville is basically Seth MacFarlane's Star Trek, which yep. in a lot of ways. I more think faithful was, to Star Trek. It, it feels Star Trek. it feels more like a nine, kind of like a '90s era Star Trek show. That's all. It's very much next, like next generation homage. You know. Well, Seth MacFarlane was this close to buying the rights to Star Trek. Seth MacFarlane was on Star Trek. He was, but he was this close to buying the rights. Like, like actually buying the rights and being able to do his own Star Trek show. But that didn't happen. That being said, Ed Mercer, not a half bad Starship captain. No, I know. I fully enjoy Ed Mercer. <laughs> I mean, you freely admit that half the time, you know, there is a lot of Seth MacFarlane humor tossed in, which, and not I actually think they not don't. as much as you think. Well, right. It's There's not there's not the shock humor that a lot of his stuff came in because he really is trying to, I think, make his own Star Trek. Yes. Um, Because obviously there's a ton of similarities, like the three different color uniforms that denote different jobs. Come on. Uh, I mean... Clean, carpeted starship. Oh, yeah. Eh. Brightly lit. An android. An android. uh, I mean, a Klingon. It's a Klingon. Yeah. Uh, the Borland's the Mach- a Klingon. Fortis, the Mocklin is definitely Worf. The Mocklin, yeah. <laughs> and, and, of course, one of the things I failed to mention when we tipped our hat to the late, great Norm MacDonald back, uh, it, back in, in the fall when he passed, but the, the voice of Yaffet, the green blob engineer was on truly, board the Orville. Yeah. He was great in that, yeah. Yeah. Who had a wow. for Cassidy Yates, the ship's doctor. Mm-hmm. Good old Cassidy Yates. Ah, also a starship captain for the Hold record. on, hold on. All right, this is your last one, because we're... But she <laughs> is. We would oh, be remiss. oh, we're talking about Cassidy, yes, no. Yes, she is. Well, yeah, uh, the, the freighter captain. She was a freighter captain. She had a crew. She ran her own ship. She basically she told Ben that, hey, time. I'm a freighter captain, so that's what I'm going to be. I remember that episode when she told him on no certain circumstances that, you know, she wasn't going to give up being her ship's ship's captain any more than he would give up being his. Mm -hmm. I like that. I did like that, too. I appreciated that. I wish we saw more of that. I wish we saw more of her and her element. With her own crew. That would have been nice. It would have been interesting because I don't think... Basically, you just like see her on a view screen or maybe in a cargo bay. Not really there, sure. Yeah, we we saw the inside that. of her ship. 
But, yeah, you know, was, it did get yeah. impounded a couple of times. And, you know, <laughs> she was arrested and spent, like, six months in a penal colony, which in, which in the Federation is, like, going to kind of a boring resort. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not all you can drink, not all you can eat, and a little bit of work called rehab. So, <laughs> so when it comes to start, to sci-fi ship captains, how do we think we did? I think we covered a good gambit, honestly. With the possible exception of Jellico, we really oh, did. Come on. Oh, no, no, no. Let me get to it. Every other one was the main focus of a series that we talked about. Mm-hmm. And Winfield was a strong recurring character mm-hmm. who was in probably half the episodes of ExoSquad. Yep. But we just, we covered quite the gamut. We did everything from animated to comedy to, you know, we and even in our diving into our honorable mentions, including a submarine. <laughs> submarine, yeah. Which was technically sci-fi. Which, by the way, I should have realized that the tide was turning for geeks when a mainstream NBC show was basically carbon copying Star Trek, but for underwater. Well, I NBC, should have realized that. NBC, in 1993. NBC, Fox, some of these shows were like trying to get in on it, like Space mm-hmm. Above and Beyond. You know, Earth 2, some of these sci fi shows that came out in the early 90s that were kind of trying to get on board the po- the rising popularity, even of a niche market, because these weren't put on like Monday and Tuesday night prime time. They weren't going up against Seinfeld on, <laughs> you know, must-see TV. They were, like sat- they were like Friday, Saturday, Sunday night things. Mm-hmm. Although the X-Files, you know... Every- you know, Fox got a hit with the X-Files, and they've made numerous attempts to try to, you know, duplicate that and continuously screwed it up. Yeah, that is true. But I must say, I think we did a pretty good job of not getting pigeonholed into our old, you know, into our Star Trek realm. No, I, I agree. I agree completely. We had some good, strong completely. arguments for these people outside of it. Everywhere from, like, the the template. <laughs> no, the template of mm-hmm. Adams from the Forbidden Planet all the way to the Orville and Strange New Worlds. Yeah. Here. <laughs> and I will say no disrespect to some of the newer captains. I actually did like Saru as a captain. I'm still... No one cares. I'm still no concerned cares. about no Burnham, but no, no one needs to. No, no one. You don't need to add this addendum. It's fine. We just talked about our favorite. It's cool. Still, Captain it's William cool. Riker is a fun one. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which wasn't part of our list, by the way. No, but <laughs> Captain Will Riker noted. Noted, by the way, not part of our list, but yes, we appreciate it. He's an honorable, uh, honorable mention. Honorable, honorable mention, yes. Postscript, honorable mention, Captain <laughs> William G. Riker. 
Who's great? All right. Better on lower decks, Captain Wilray. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. I think we've I think we've sufficiently hit this topic out of the park. Yeah. Tune tune in next time. Oh. When we'll ask the question, what is it that we say we were going to talk about again today? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what happens every time, every day. Not Are we still always. on? What, what are we going to talk about again? I'm, I got too drunk at that point. What, what did we figure out? So, <laughs> um, that being said, Deadline.com reporting Quantum Leap Reboot. Uh, is set to begin at NBC with a pilot order. Scott Bakula is not attached to reprise his role, but he is aware, and it takes place in the same universe where a new team will try to find him because he disappeared oh, so 30 years ago. He's the MacGuffin. Oh, he's aware of it, which means at some point he's going to guest star when they, oh, he's need, when they need to close it out. Absolutely going to show up. Yes. So, the Quantum Leap is one of the most television a priority for years and has been attended multiple times. This particular iteration had been kept largely under wraps, but Bakula last fall told the late Bob Saget ooh, on his podcast that there was a very significant conversation about a Quantum Leap reboot. Oh, well, there we All go. Right. So, what's being rebooted right now? All of them. So we've got a reboot of Quantum Leap, a reboot of Firefly, a reboot mm. of Babylon 5. Babylon 5, yeah. They've still been talking about a reboot of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, yeah that's not happening. But yeah. Oh, and they've been talking about a reboot of Xena the Warrior Princess. There you are. Oh, yeah. there's another one I just had. Oh, talking about a... HBO Max maybe doing a, another reboot of Battlestar? Uh, that would be probably Peacock, actually. Anyway. Peacock, uh, and that Universal has been kicked around. Battlestar. Yeah. Once no, they're again. doing it. They're, they're going to do it. But, yeah, that's where you can find all the Battlestars. On Peacock. But, yeah, so... Welcome to the land of... <laughs> Certified uh, reboots, guys. Mm. This is the future that we always wanted, but didn't. Folks, I'm just <laughs> going to put this out there. If you're going to reboot one of these great sci-fi series, one of you guys needs to have Bruce Campbell in it. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds like the ultimate ending to me. <laughs> so, on that note, all right, everyone. Well, you guys keep dreaming. We're going to keep working, and so long, everyone. I usually sign off with, see you on the high ground. But as a soldier, that's what I say. But in light of our ship captain, let's see what's out there. Wonderful. I love it. <laughs> Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by Alpha Sight Productions, produced by DT Cavman and P.S. McKay. 
music courtesy of Kevin Cloud at Incompetech.com. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow P.S. McKay on Twitter at P.S. McKay, or go to thosesci for past episode information. 